I will warn you, I am in a sunspot where like the sun is coming through the window at a certain angle. And usually like by this time I'm like wrapping up work, I'm usually not here at like five o'clock and it is directly shining into my face right now. (laughs) So there's a very good chance I will fall asleep halfway through this episode. Great. So so (laughs) then I will live my dream and it'll just be me talking for an hour. What you're saying? No. (laughs) Just like to yourself? Yeah, just to myself. And I'm like... (laughs) What do you think about this, David? David, you're a genius. Jim, what excellent David, point. That is the most astute criticism I have ever heard. <laughs> hey, everyone. Welcome to Adapted for Your Viewing. My name is David, and I watch too many movies. And my name is Amanda, and I read too many books. We are brother and sister, and this is our podcast for nerds, where we talk too much about movies and the books they're based on, and tell you which one is worth consuming. Today, we will be talking about Little Fires Everywhere, including the 2017 novel by Celeste Ng, and the newly released Hulu miniseries produced and starring Reese Witherspoon and Carrie Washington. I have always had the best intentions. Someone burned down your house with you inside. Elena, do you know anyone that would do this? If you are unfamiliar, don't worry. We'll be doing a spoiler-free chat for the first half of our episode. And if you are familiar or don't really care about spoilers on this particular book-to-TV show combo, stick around. So real quick, we are going to give you a brief summary of the story. So our story opens in Shaker Heights, a progressive Cleveland suburb in the late 90s, and centers around two mothers, Elena Richardson, who is the embodied spirit of her carefully planned hometown, and Mia Warren, a nomadic artist with secrets of her own to protect. Their families become intertwined first by their children and then by a local court case that is deciding the custody of a Chinese-American baby. So lots of, lots of stuff going on in this story. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Elena and Mia find themselves on opposite sides, and Elena is determined to uncover the secrets in Mia's past. Uh, we know from the opening chapter that someone will burn down the Richardson family home. The only question is who and why. Dun, dun, dun. two questions. Dun, it dun, is caused dun. by the roll credits moment that is immediately set in both the book and the movie by... It is very early. Fires everywhere. Yes, yes. I think it's like on page two. <laughs> it's on page two, guys. And it's within like the first minute of the TV show opening. <laughs> it's, it's funny. So, David, did you have any previous experience with this story? Literally none. I hadn't heard anything about this. I think I saw the cover once when mm-hmm. I was in a bookstore. But like otherwise, I was coming into this completely blind. I have never heard of the author. I think I saw a preview of the Hulu TV show when it mm-hmm. was first coming out. Because I, I do remember it being like one of the um, like flagship TV shows Hulu was promoting at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. for 2020 Uh, but besides that like absolutely none Uh, what about you I had picked it up I think um, a little bit after it first came out so I think a couple years ago and I don't think I finished it the first time I read it I think I had thought I'd finished it Uh, but when I was rereading it there's a lot of stuff in the second half of the story that I didn't really remember um, so I think it was one of those that I'd picked up when I was reading a bunch of other stuff and maybe gotten like halfway through and then never really came back to it. Um, her 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 pacing and her stories are it's a little bit slower. And so I think it was just easy for me to kind of wander away and forget that I hadn't finished it. Um, but I was excited to return to it. I thought the casting especially looked interesting for this show. Uh, it is the first show we are doing, the first miniseries we're doing on this uh, podcast. And so I think it was a good one to kind of break us into a new genre. Yeah. Yeah. It was very, uh, it, it was a lot of episodes. That's what I'll say. <laughs> it was, it was quite did, a few episodes. <laughs> we did do ourselves a favor by it being an eight episode miniseries rather than like a 10, 12 or something like that. So at least we, we didn't go like full on crazy, like, uh, like choosing to do the hand means 
Handmaiden's Tale or something like that that has a bunch of seasons. I, I don't only, know if I can do true. that. That's true. That's true. Well, maybe we will in the future because I think that maybe, maybe, maybe the first season is based off the first. Well, who knows? Maybe I'll talk David into it. To be TBD, guys. TBD. 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 Uh, you want to hear about the book? Yeah, let's hear some book history. Uh, so this is Ing's sophomore book. Uh, her previous one is one that I've read as well, was an instant like bestseller. This one as well was uh, an instant bestseller too. Spent, I think, 46 weeks or something crazy like that on Whoa. the bestsellers list. Yeah. Yeah. Um, she sent an early release copy before it was published to Witherspoon's production company. Uh, with the dream that Witherspoon would someday play the role of Elena. It was like a long Very shot. Very interesting. And here it is, yes. Um, which, when I was reading this the second time around, I had Witherspoon in my mind as Elena, and I honestly think it's perfect casting. I cannot imagine anybody else playing Elena. Um, so I think that's funny that even the author was like, wouldn't it be amazing if this was Witherspoon? And I totally think she nailed it. Um but Celeste Ng's parents were actually immigrants from Hong Kong, and she grew up in the real Shaker Heights. So this mm-hmm. is very much a story about her hometown, and it definitely shows. That's interesting. I definitely thought Shaker Heights was just a made-up fictional no. town for this story. All the Yeah, all the history about Shaker Heights in the book is 100% real. All of the like regulations about um, trash and... Uh, you know, how high the, the grass is allowed to be and uh, inspections on the inside and outside and how even duplexes are made to look like single family homes. All of that, like everything that was talked about, 100% true. That's crazy. I yeah. definitely thought that was something fictional, but yeah. to know that's an actual town, yeah. uh, nah. Yeah, even the fact that it was it was one of the first integrated cities, um, it prides itself on being very progressive. All of that's completely true. And uh, Ing talks about when she go when she went to college, she didn't realize how strange her upbringing was and how her, mm-hmm. how different her hometown experience was until she got out of that and went to college and realized not everybody had that experience. Yeah, not everyone had to like make sure their grass was cut six inches or they yeah. get a fine i'd get a fine literally every single week if i lived in a town like that i like hate yeah. mowing the grass <laughs> the wingert family would not do well in she rides no, unfortunately <laughs> no 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 thank god we live in like like or we lived in like an unincorporated neighborhood yes. or something like that so we could get away with stuff yeah definitely uh what about you do you have any fun facts on the production side for the tv series not really much, to be honest. Uh, there were two interesting things uh, that I found. The first was, you know, this show, because it's kind of made right now in what I describe like in this this second golden age of television we're living in, where streaming platforms are all fighting over different high television programs to get people mm-hmm. to join their services, which is great because there's a billion amazing TV shows. Uh, but this show was highly bid after after it was finished, and mm-hmm. it ended up going to ABC slash Disney since they actually ended up uh, like uh, they were a part of the production house that made this. Oh, so of course it went there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's how it got hosted on Hulu. Uh, what I found really interesting and something that you know we'll probably go immediately into a biggest change that they made from the book to the TV show is that uh, one of the main characters, Mia Warren, in the book, the race is kept deliberately kind of vague. Mm -hmm. And Ng told the producer of the TV show this, who then said it in an interview. But uh, Ng originally wanted uh, Mia Warren to be a woman of color, but Mm -hmm. she felt very uncomfortable writing her um, as that because she... Mm-hmm. Yeah, she didn't feel like she had the right voice and experience to do the character justice. And so there's a lot of hints of it in the book, and you kind of get an idea of that. But she keeps it vague on purpose uh, because she didn't really want to delve into it that much. So when she found out that the TV show was going to have Mia Warren be a black woman, she was very excited about that because mm-hmm. it allowed them to go into themes that she wanted to dive into the book but didn't really get to do that because you didn't feel comfortable writing it. Yeah, yeah. Which uh, kind of brings us right into the story. So why don't we just jump into that? Amanda, 
what mm-hmm. did you think of Little Fires Everywhere? I I really liked this book. Um, I kind of um, she wagged my finger at past me for not being more deliberate and like How finishing dare it. She? <laughs> uh, a little bit. Um, I think you know Ing has a really good careful hand at writing nuanced interactions and that's just filled throughout this entire book. So each it's really easy to miss. I think um, when you're not seeing it, some of like the tensions there. And um, I think this was a really smart choice for an adaptation because we could see it very plainly on the screen. Uh, everything that's kind of going on underneath the surface that's a little bit harder to pick up in the book. Because there's a couple of times where like a character would bring something up and I'd be like, wait, really? And then I would think about it and be like, oh yeah, no, that makes sense. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that's definitely warranted. Okay, okay, okay. I get it, I get it. <laughs> but I think I think in that way, you know, she's, uh, Ing is talking about uh, race in America during a time when everybody wanted to believe they were colorblind. And uh, that's layered with these two characters of of these uh, two mothers, two women who very deeply define themselves as mothers um, above almost anything else in their lives. And the way that they uh, each interact with their kid and each other's kids is basically what cements this entire story from beginning to end. And then on top of it, uh, we have this kind of side story, but this catalyst of... Um, a a Chinese immigrant woman who um, has abandoned her baby during a bout of postpartum depression, and then the baby is adopted by Elena's friends, and the woman is trying to get her baby back from them um, and happens to be friends with Mia. And so it's a really interesting way to talk about all of these themes out in the open that aren't being talked about like in their individual homes. Uh, So I think it's a really smart and interesting, surprisingly interesting book for something that on the surface seems like there's kind of a lot going on or there's nothing going on. (laughs) Um, But it ends up being like a lot of different interesting discussions between a lot of interesting characters. What did you think about it? Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think there is constantly a ton of subtext in every single uh, character interaction in both the TV show and the book. And I am just a sucker for that sort of thing. Yeah, me too. And for me, what I think uh, Ng does a great job in the book and the TV show does as well is it shows how these two mothers who are both trying to control their children and their Mm -hmm. lives in a certain way Mm -hmm. um, and how that just goes terribly for them because of the actions they've taken. And I loved watching that because a lot of it is like uh, character-driven plot and drama, which I enjoyed quite a bit uh, in both the book and the TV show. Uh, I'll go into maybe a little bit more detail on, I think, a little later on what I enjoyed specifically from both of them. But this story, I think, is just paced perfectly. The Mm -hmm. interplay between characters is so much fun to read and watch uh, that it's 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 one of those things I can kind of just recommend to most people, really. Yeah, I definitely think so. I think a lot of people can get a lot of enjoyment out of it Um, because it has this element of a mystery in the beginning where the... Uh, the Richardson family home is being burned down and the family is all blaming one person. You're like, well, did they really do it? And why would they do it? And what's really going on here? And there's this mystery of their tenants leaving in the middle of the night and you don't really know why. Um, And so it's a great like unraveling of that mystery on top of being a great character, um, a great character story, driven story in general. And we have this really interesting kind of sub trial. So there's a lot going on in this story that I feel like will appeal to a lot of different people and a lot of different uh, readers, especially. Oh, yeah. The pacing, uh, especially in the book, is fantastic going, yes, going I agree. back and forth. But, I would uh, say the pacing of the book is almost perfect. I would agree with that. I think, yeah. uh, you know, just to dive into the book, I think that one of the things I found a, a common criticism of the book going on Goodreads, because 
uh, let me tell you, one of my favorite things to do now is that after you after you have me read a book is to go on yeah. Goodreads and read and reviews. People but, are talking about. Yo, people are savages on Goodreads. Okay? People are real mean on Goodreads. <laughs> I thought that like, you know, I'm, I'm interested in a lot of different types of communities of like the video game community, the music community, the movie community, and seeing how they like criticize others. And there's a lot of divisiveness and, and a lot of those things and it can get really ugly. None of this compares to a <laughs> poorly a reviewed book on Goodreads because it's like yeah. well-spoken people and well-written people arguing with each other and it <laughs> yeah. is just completely savage. Okay, My favorite, on, I know we're going on a Goodreads ta- ta- uh, tangent right here, but my favorite thing on Goodreads is when somebody is just like, I hate it, this book is garbage, one star. And then you look at the comments and it's like 400 comments. <laughs> <laughs> And then it's like, edit, update, nobody can change my mind. And then you look and there's even more comments under that. (laughs) People are so passionate on Goodreads. Uh, But anyway, back to my point. A common criticism I uh, saw is that people often said the pacing was meandering and the plot was predictable. I think that, uh, I think the opposite for both these things I think the reason why people think the plot is a little predictable is because Ng does a great job of going back and forth between characters when the plot needs it to go there mm-hmm. and providing sufficient like um, backstories on the motivations of all these characters. Before a character takes an action, oftentimes Ng will go back and yeah. kind of explain their backstory in yeah. a very interesting way so that when they make that action, you say – Oh, that makes sense. She always so gives us some, yeah. She always gives us context for whatever the characters are doing in that moment. Exactly. So even yeah. though sometimes it may seem predictable, I enjoyed it because to me it was being able to completely understand these characters, why they were doing things, and so it may not have always been shocking, but it was always, um, I'd say you were able to connect and empathize with characters that you didn't even agree with because you got so much context of these characters. And I really enjoyed that. I will say I kind of agree that it's a little predictable. And I think we have to talk about that in our spoilers. Oh yeah. Um, The ending for sure. I think, yeah, I think the ending in particular, I think because of just the way so many things were unraveling throughout the story, um, where we have these characters seeming like one thing and then we're diving in to find out who they really are throughout the whole thing. I thought that the ending was going to be different, um, which I think the the show wants to address as well. So we'll talk about that in spoilers. Um, but one other criticism I did see of the book too is that a lot of people were upset that Mia was painted as the good mom and Elena is Mm -hmm. painted as the bad mom, which I think is a really funny criticism because I don't think either of them are particularly, um, I don't think either of them are given zero flaws. I think they both definitely have flaws and have made mistakes in like pretty egregious mistakes throughout the story. Uh, But I do think that Mia is painted in a light where because she decides to grow and reach out to her daughter in the end, um, mm-hmm. which is, I guess, a little bit of a spoiler, but she, she she has a different path of growth than Elena does. I think Elena is supposed to be the villain of this story. I think that's the intention. And so I think it's really funny that people are like, I can't believe she's a villain. I'm like, yeah, but that's kind of the – she is the villain. That's kind of the point. Yeah, it's like she's the a, story – She's an interesting and complicated villain, but she's still yeah. a vis- villain, everyone. Yeah, it's like it's okay for this story to have an opinion. Um, right. Rather than stay gray because I think there are parts of the uh, this story where you do uh, have to like question what's going on and you do have like tough um, – questions that are being asked these characters especially during the trial i thought the trial Mm -hmm. especially in the book was very interesting and i think the show makes it even more difficult to have a right answer there um but i think that when it comes to these characters i think the story is trying to make a point (laughs) and it makes it very plainly uh because you you see the consequences right at the start of the novel of what's going to happen yeah I do think the Elena we have in the in the show is different than the one we get in the book. 
But again, that's that's diving into spoilers. Yeah, let's dive in a little bit. But let's let's dive into the TV show. What are yeah. what are some of your thoughts on that? I enjoyed the casting immediately. I think everything Fantastic. was so well cast. Everybody, like all the kids, were incredible. They all looked related to each other, which I think is amazing. Oh yeah. Yeah, the Richardson's kids are like look like they came from Reese Witherspoon, which is crazy to me that they found and, four people that could do that. Yes, and they look like the perfect mix mix between Reese Witherspoon and um, oh, I didn't pull up the IMDb. What's his tall face? guy? Uh, Joshua Jackson. Joshua Jackson. Yes, he did. He was giving me um some major. Uh, did you ever watch that one show he was in where it was like supernatural stuff? That's that Amanda, so Amanda, <laughs> a show with supernatural stuff. That could be a Wait. thousand different TV Fringe. shows. Fringe, that's what it is. Did you ever watch Fringe? Okay. Yes, I did watch Fringe, yeah. You always did the previously on Fringe, and they did this for um, Little Fires Everywhere, so it was giving me some heavy flashbacks to those days. Okay, yeah, yeah. The the little intro that before every episode was like, previously on Little Fires Everywhere. I laughed every <laughs> single time because it was like so out of uh context for whatever that came after that a little bit yeah uh but no i thought the cast was incredible they all looked the families all looked related and even the the young versions of the adults and the young versions of the kids i feel like were fantastically cast and i feel like that's really mm-hmm. rare i think they did a really good job there mm-hmm. agreed now, the one thing on the characters, though, that I found very interesting and in what the TV show did, because there are, you know, a lot of big changes that this series makes. But I mm-hmm. think one thing that I noticed right off the bat is all the characters are just more. They're just a lot more of whatever their book versions were. Like if Lexi is an outcast, she is even more of an outcast yeah, in the TV true. show. Yeah, that's very uh, true. If Elena has, you know, some evil deceptive tendencies, she is yeah. full on supervillain in the TV show. So like each yeah. character just becomes like such a dramatization of what is in the novel. And in some ways it kind of makes sense. I mean, this is a this is a drama. So it, right. in some ways it needs to be. But in some ways I did find myself laughing unintentionally. Uh, <laughs> at some of the character interactions. There's a, um, especially towards the end, but again, I think that's uh, going to spoilers. I think in particular, um, I didn't love the changes they made to Pearl. Uh, I think she's pretty similar to book Pearl, but I think she has like an inherent distrust of her mom, which she didn't have in the book. And I didn't necessarily love that. But again, I kind of like I really enjoyed the nuance of how the story wrapped up and that probably wasn't going to be very exciting for a show. So I can I can understand why they amped up Pearl quite a bit. Yeah, I think right away you kind of get the sense that Pearl is going to be a lot different in the TV show because mm-hmm. there is a certain climax in the book between Pearl and her mom. Yeah. That happens at the end of this novel, and they put it in the first episode of this TV show. And I was a little shocked by that. I didn't mind. I do feel like it could have been six episodes. Um, mm-hmm. Like, they don't even get to the trial until I feel like episode seven, which is really surprising. Um, since it's such a main part of the overall story. There's a lot of, like, main plot lines where people figure things out. Um, kind of all at once instead of where it's really evenly paced throughout the book. So yeah, I thought I thought it was strange. I think I think if it was boiled down to six episodes or even dare I say four, I feel like it might have been a stronger story. I think I think six makes sense because yeah. um there are especially ep- the first the second episode and the third episode, especially I thought could have been combined or the second episode could have been honestly cut completely. And I think the story would have been absolutely the same. And that's not to say I didn't like the stuff that they added to it. Like they add quite a bit of backstory to Elena that wasn't in initially in the book, um, but you kind of infer what's going on. So we see a little bit more of yeah. her experience too. And I liked that. I think it made her a little bit more complicated and, and em- I could empathize with her just a little bit more. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like, so like, it's not that the extra content I want cut. It's the like, 
padding to the episode. So maybe if it was still eight episodes, but they were like half hour episodes instead, I think maybe that would be stronger too. Uh, There's just like a lot of scenes where people are like staring at something in the distance and there's like sad 90s music playing. Oh my gosh, the 90s music. I'll admit there is a lot of of 90s references in the first (laughs) half of this uh, TV show. Like there is a point. Yeah. Yeah. There's a point where Izzy uh, uh, quotes Fiona Apple and it was in a very teenager way. But so I accepted it. But because it was like the 45th music 90s reference in that episode, I felt like I was going to turn it off. Well, at that point. And it was odd too. I don't know. So I think the setting of the 90s for the book is perfect um, because there's a lot of talk going on in the background. There's a lot of gender politics happening in the background mm-hmm. uh, with like world events that are being talked about at the same time as everything else is being talked about. And so it adds something very interesting. And on top of that, um, like race politics is also being discussed a lot. Like mm-hmm. the idea of being colorblind comes up all the time throughout the book. And so that I thought made the setting richer. I don't know if we needed it to ha- I don't think we needed to have it in the 90s in the show. I think it could have been set today and it still could have had a lot of those same themes and some of the like the discussions about is this okay? Should this be said okay? Well, is this really like a lot of those discussions felt old to me. They didn't feel yeah. They didn't feel new and they didn't feel timely to what's going on right now. So I feel like if they – I understand why the book is set in that time period and I think it's interesting for the book. But I think if they would have set the show today, they could have had more nuanced conversations challenging stuff that we're struggling with today in – you know, in over these exact same topics. Yeah, because what's crazy is a lot of these talks around race that the TV show adds. Mm-hmm. I think you could have them in the year 2020, and they really Absolutely. wouldn't be that different. Absolutely. Uh, so, yeah, I think the only difference is if everyone had cell phones, there would be no conflict because uh, uh, Elena could just figure out from the get-go that her kids are at Mia's house <laughs> and shut that down pretty quickly. <laughs> That's kind of true. Yeah, that's really it. Also, you wouldn't get Mia with her cool film camera taking pictures. I mean, she would just have a digital camera. I feel like that's fine, too. Yeah, that's really the only difference. It really wouldn't change that much. (laughs) She would just be like a graphic designer. It'd be cool. Um, I will say one other thing before I move on uh, and dive into spoilers. Another thing I really enjoyed about this book is the way they took the character of um, who's who's typically the protagonist of these stories of the sleuth character and mm-hmm. basically inverted her into the villain of the story. And I just think that's very smart. I think it's a really uh, fun way to play with that character because so often the, the nosy white lady is the protagonist mm-hmm. of these stories. And so mm-hmm. it was... It was interesting that she she's not painted as a, bil- a villain immediately, but she definitely develops as one throughout the story. And it's a lot of because she can't leave this story alone. She can't leave Mia to her own business and history and just worry about her own problems. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it's interesting. Yeah, that's, that's definitely an emphasis, too, in the TV show. They spend a lot more Absolutely. time on that, and I yeah. loved that. Those, yeah. those episodes when she's doing her sleuthing, great. Great episodes. Yes, yeah, absolutely great episodes. I will say that she is um, better at sleuthing in the book. There's a lot of times when she just tells people what she wants in the in the show. And they're like, um, I can't do that for you. It's against the law. And then she just tricks them into doing it anyway. <laughs> yeah, there isn't. Uh, the show doesn't have enough time to, like, show her subtlety. So they just kind of yes. dive straight into super villainish activities pretty quickly. <laughs> The one time it did make me laugh was when she went to the college to get like the um the student roster. Oh for my this gosh, class. I hate this scene. <laughs> she's like, she's talking to an administrator and she's like, I need all this information. And it's like personal names and, and home addresses of these students from like, you know, years ago. And the lady's like, I can't do that. And she's like, Yeah, but I have these cupcakes. And the lady's <laughs> like, okay, well, here you go. <laughs> 
that's that's no i understand no like like, those are all their home addresses there's no way that's allowed is this how like reporters on the new york times get really good they're just all fantastic bakers (laughs) and they're like hey mr mr president i made you some cookies can you please link some documents for me He's like, yeah, oh, no, no, no. yep, oh, no, oh, 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 yeah, 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 whatever you say. <laughs> yeah, it was Russia. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, David, do you have any other thoughts before we move on to spoilers? No, let's uh, but let's talk about our recommendations. You're trying to get yeah. ahead. Uh, so, Amanda, would you recommend watching this TV show? I think I would. Um, I think it has a lot of good things to offer. I don't think i think it's an interesting adaptation and there's definitely some weak points to it um but i think the acting is like off the charts um the cast is super quality and um if you space it out i think you won't notice how slow the pacing is yeah especially (laughs) in those first couple episodes yeah (laughs) when you binge it all at once like i did it's a little bit harder not to be antsy to get to the next scene but i think if you space it out you'll enjoy it a lot agreed uh, David, would you recommend people read this book? I would. I think that Ng's uh, writing uh, is fantastic. I would love to read more novels paced like they are like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it did help that I also read it as, or didn't read it, I listened to it as an audiobook. Props to whoever did the audiobook. Fantastic. Fantastic audiobook. But I think her writing is very interesting nuanced and she has a great sense of subtext and character building which i always appreciate uh and i also think that the adaptation adds different things to this story you know we go over a lot of different adaptations and there's adaptations that just try to emphasize what the book said by putting it on screen exactly as shown. Then mm-hmm. there's ones who do something completely different and tell a completely different story in a million ways, like we did with Artemis Fowl last week. Um, please don't. Please don't, don't I'm sorry that I even mentioned its name. <laughs> but this is the type of adaptation I love where they keep the skeleton of the story intact, but they say different types of things and add different things that were sort of present, but make it more prominent, especially with the themes about uh, race in there. I think the show does a fantastic job at showing the nuances with that. So I definitely recommend both of these TV show and book. Yeah, I think it's real interesting. So definitely worth it. But let's go into spoilers, specifically the ending. We're going to talk a lot about the ending. Yeah, so let's dive into our spoiler section. Spoiler time. So is it just you and your mom? Mm-hmm. We move around every few months. She hides stuff, just like everybody else. I called the person that you listed as your previous landlord, and strangely, he didn't seem to know you. Okay, so let's talk about Mia. Mia is one of my favorite characters from the book. I think she's fantastic. Yeah. She's definitely very aloof. Um, and I think what that's meant to it's meant to make Elena uncomfortable because by by all the rules in Elena's life, she is supposed to have the power over Mia, right? So Mia mm-hmm. comes in and she's like, Ooh, I'm gonna do this great thing for you with this. You can rent my property with no strings attached. You can come and work in my house and we'll pay you a bunch of money. And she expects to feel like she has some kind of power over Mia. And Mia does not give that to her because she's mm-hmm. she she doesn't reciprocate like her attempts at friendship. She's like all business. She's very, um, you know, <laughs> Elena's like, ooh, can I buy your your artwork? And she's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that was great. And so all of her attempts at getting power over her are unsuccessful. And that's very evident in the book. But Mia is still a talkative, I would dare say, sometimes friendly person. Mm -hmm. And in the show, she is not. She's absolutely not. She is not. She is not interested in talking to you. She is not interested in anything you have to say to her. She is. She does not want to have this interaction at any time. And I think they were trying to recreate that feeling of it being odd that she's not more grateful to them or she's not more, I don't know, inviting 
and in a sense subservient to them. Um, but it was strange sometimes because it, she did it like even to like the kids. Like there's this one scene where Mia's walking up to the house to look for Pearl. And Izzy is doing uh, her art project out front. And she's just like, <laughs> Izzy's like, hey. And she's like, where's Pearl? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, chill out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she had a certain intensity that was never intense. turned off in the TV show. Yes. Uh, and like sometimes I think it, it was great because you could tell yes. that, you know, a big part of Elena's character is control. And Mia yes. would never let her have that. And so it was right. very interesting to see some of that. But in other cases... It just felt like she was kind of a jerk to everyone she talked <laughs> yeah. to. Like, because she didn't just act like that to Elena. She acts like that to all the kids. To everybody. To yes. All the members of the town. She did that to everyone. And there the only was... person she didn't do that to was BB Chow. And even then, it was a little weird because she just briefly saw her, like, yeah. red eyed. And she was like, <gasps> is that person okay? And it was kind of weird because it's like, you haven't it's acted like this her character, to yeah. everybody. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> In the in the book, she kind of pieces it together where she's heard this horrible story about her coworker, and then she hears this story about a one year old's birthday party, and she like slowly like connects the dots. And in in the show, she just like I don't know, she like has like this telepathy moment with BB Chow, and she's like, I know exactly what's happening. You're a mother too, aren't you? And I'm like, how did she do that? <laughs> yeah, it was just very like strange from her character because she was kind of rude and aloof to everybody but to this character she (laughs) wasn't and it's because she had like some weird motherhood connection or something yeah 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 but um, i I didn't i didn't think she needed to be like a friendly character i kind of liked that she was like this gruff um much more than like this gruff cranky character i didn't mind her characterization like that i just thought like there were times when it was very jarring because she was doing it to just like random people. <laughs> yeah, it was all over the place. <laughs> now, one thing about Mia's character and just the Warrens in general that I liked was, of course, the big change to this entire story, or maybe mm-hmm. not change like I mentioned earlier, but um, more pronounced in this story is the fact that the Warrens are black. What mm-hmm. did you think about that change? I liked it. I mean, I thought in the story, I imagine them as being pretty ethnically ambiguous. Um, She's already like a basically nomadic single mom. Uh, Very clearly seems like she's, quote, down on her luck. So already there's like a class struggle there. Um, Mm -hmm. And the way the Richardson family like adopts Mia Um, and kind of doesn't really treat her as a person, kind of treats her as like an accessory sometimes or like, you know, just like something they can have ownership over. Um, I think it makes sense for her her to be a woman of color. Um, Mm -hmm. I think it just amplifies all those tensions already. Uh, And so, and on top of it, when I was rereading it, I already knew, you know, Kerry Washington was playing this role. And so I kind of had it in my mind going back through it again. And there's definitely like, there's already so much to talk about with race throughout the story. And so I think just bringing it to the forefront was smart for the producers of the show to do. Absolutely. Yeah. Here's the thing is that I think the book had a very subtle hand in it. Yeah. And in the TV show, some of that subtlety is lost. But yeah. I think that it adds to this different layer of uh, – racism and discrimination that the show wants to talk about particularly with like lexi like lexi's character i think in the tv show is way more interesting i agree Um, yeah i think all the kids actually get some added characterization that was that was needed for a tv show except for poor trip trip is pretty much the same um But Lexi's interactions with her boyfriend, Brian, are much more interesting because he is much more uh, into questioning uh, her actions around uh, Pearl and himself on Mm -hmm. interactions that his mom has with him. And this very, like, um, subtle under the current racism that was, like, prominent in the 90s when they were talking about colorblindness right and so i think there's uh, especially when they sort of break up near episode seven i think it's just very very uh interesting and 
not something that is portrayed in television as much, but I think to call it subtle would be uh, a little too kind. Yeah. <laughs> they they kind of they kind of went go straight into it. I mean, I think um, I agree with you to a certain extent. I I did think Lexi was more interesting in the. Um, in the show, she had a little bit more to do. Um, she has like two main plot points. The first being that she, um, in the book, she gets me to help her with her Yale entrance essay in the show. She actually steals, uh, Pearl's story, um, itself, like her entire experience and tries to pass it off as her own. And that's how she gets into Yale. And then secondarily, she, um, gets pregnant with Brian and decides to have an abortion. And when she goes, she writes down Pearl's name instead of her own because she doesn't want to risk her own reputation. But it's okay Uh if people think that Pearl has had an abortion. Um, And it's interesting because the show invites – the show involves Pearl a lot more with those decisions and has her um, reacting more to them than they do in the store – in the book itself. Uh, So that's interesting. But – to me, I liked I liked that they Brian and Lexi broke up because of their differences, not necessarily yes. because of um, I mean the the their arguments about race, I think were were an important discussion for the overall story. But at the end of the day, it made sense that they were teenagers and they just fell apart and they decided mm-hmm. to break up. Um, so I liked that subtlety a little bit more and the, the fact that she wasn't willing to tell Brian about the abortion, this experience that she's gone through, uh, kind of ended up splitting them up. And I think that's a little bit more complicated than just, she won't acknowledge her own racism in this situation. Um, but I think that has to do with the overall story, you know, in the, book, none of the kids really come face to face with how they've used Mia and Pearl in their own selfish and um, uh, entitled way, mm-hmm. but in the show they do. And so I think that was an important change for the show to make anyway. Yeah. And that really does come to the whole change of the ending of yeah. the TV show versus mm-hmm. the book. Because in the book, mm-hmm. it's... I'm going to be honest. I think it just wrapped up too conveniently uh, for everything. I don't know um, if I liked either endings. Yeah, I do have problems with both. I yeah. think I have more problems with the book because um, Pearl and Mia have their big argument right. because Mia wants to leave. Pearl doesn't. And it kind of leads to this whole discussion where Mia ends up telling Pearl the entire past. Right. And I found it very weird that as a teenager, Pearl, after just arguing with her mom, was like, oh, cool. Yeah, let's go. Let's leave. Like, to me, I feel like uh, Pearl's character felt a little naive. uh, And she wasn't reacting in a way that I thought her character had grown to change. Uh, throughout the story and so i I didn't really understand why she just was like cool to like i would have thought there was a little bit more friction i'm i think it made sense for her to come to that decision but the Mm -hmm. tv show added the friction that i thought was a little bit more appropriate yeah i think i think yes um but i think um in the book pearl is struggling the entire time with understanding why her life has been one way when other people live a different way, right? Mm-hmm. Um, when it seems very deliberate that her mom can provide her with certain comforts uh, and chooses not to. And she, I think she, she, she struggles with, she wants to trust this family because of how kind and, seemingly progressive they are and her mother wants her wants to protect her from being used by them and i think Mm -hmm. in that moment she realizes that you know it's not so cut and dry that in some way she was used by this family um and i don't think it, it it dawns on her until that moment and she chooses again to trust her mom and so yes i do think like it makes sense especially as a teenager struggling with a lot of these things they gave pearl a lot more to do in the show um I still liked that 
I think it was consistent with her character. And I think a lot of it is a um, internal change. And because we're not necessarily in Pearl's head for that chapter, I think it makes it difficult to see that change and shift in her. Um, mm-hmm. I, I was very satisfied with that ending. I did not – what I didn't like was – that we began the story thinking Lexi set the fires and ended the story with Lexi setting the fires. I was like, meh, okay, fine. And like nothing changed for me throughout. Like at the beginning, (laughs) I was like, I wasn't like, why would this child burn down her house? I'm like, okay, what pissed off this child to burn down her house? (laughs) And then it's just like, oh, okay, yeah. So she was pissed off about this. So she burned down her house. I totally get it. Um, So I think that was more of, I wanted like more, something more interesting. It was kind of the ending I was expecting. So I think that's where when people say it was predictable, I kind of agree it was predictable. Uh, What did you think about the book ending? I mean, do you mean the TV show ending? I'm sorry, the TV show ending. Yes. (laughs) Uh, See, the TV show ending, I did really enjoy the fact that it didn't come down to just Lexi being mad and burning the house down. Uh, I thought it was funny how people see her and they're like, what the heck are you doing? And then stop her, which is great. And then Mm -hmm. each individually comes to the realization that they want to burn their house down too. Uh, I think that I understand why Lexi does it. I understand uh, why Izzy wants to do it. I still didn't understand by the end of it why the dudes wanted to burn down their house. I know, they were basically like, Lexi's like, we gotta burn this down. They're like, yeah, let's burn this mother down. And they're just like, like, their bed's on fire. (laughs) Because the conflict that they're having is between each other and actually has nothing to do with their mom. Literally nothing to do with their mom. And so I was sitting there and I was like, Okay, I do like the difference that now all the kids are all burning the house because right. of the actions their mom took. Except why are these – these dudes were mad at each other, not I at know. their mom. And I so know. the way they do that is by burning the house. So it still wasn't perfect. I still liked it better I mean, I than think, the book. But I don't think it, it wrapped up perfectly. I think they were trying to show that it was like solidarity with Izzy because they have that confrontation with – Elena and Lena says some really terrible things to Izzy. And so I think that's where it comes from. Like, especially Moody seems very close to Izzy, uh, where he's like begging her not to leave. And then when their mom won't go after her. So I kind I kind of get why Moody's like, screw you, I'm burning my I'm burning my room down just like Izzy wanted to. Um, but yeah, I don't really I mean, poor Trip got like nothing to do this whole season. He was just like, yeah. I'm a big dumb jock. Now I got the girl. Now I burned down house. <laughs> well, I mean, the whole point of Trip is being like, I'm the big dumb jock, but I'm not the big dumb jock. I'm the big <laughs> dumb jock with emotions. And then he's just, he doesn't really do much at all. And yeah. so when he wants to burn down the house, I, yeah, I was like, what it made is me he laugh doing? A <laughs> Especially since he has like an awful relationship with all of his siblings. Yeah. Like whenever he interacts with Moody, they they uh, fight. Like they just yeah. are always arguing with each other. Him and Lexi don't really do much together, and yeah. him and Izzy just fight all the time. I know. He's and so when he's out. so, why would he want to burn the house down? So I would have rather had Elena go crazy and burn down the house. I think that would have been cool. I think, I think that also think would have been there. cool. Yeah. Uh, especially since I think accent. I think the TV show does a better job at showing her uh, collapse mm-hmm. uh, at the end. I think they do a much better job of showing how she well, is losing control of all of her children. Right. She's losing control of her marriage yeah. and she's losing control of Mia and mm-hmm. then has a complete break. I think mm-hmm. that was much better displayed in the TV show. Well, she she doesn't have a break in the book. Um, no, she doesn't. Argue. Not at she, all. Literally, they have the the house burns down. She's like, "It's Izzy. I knew it was her." Izzy runs away, um, but uh, Elena isn't aware of it in the book. In the yeah. show, they have a showdown essentially, and then she runs away. Um, but in the book, they it she doesn't know about it. Actually, nobody is home. Uh, when the house burns down. And so they all assume it's Izzy because she's missing. And so they go to their rent, their newly vacated rental property and, um, and set like stay there for the night because they can't go to their burning house. And 
Elena is still stubbornly Elena, and the thing yeah. that kind of breaks her is this piece of art that uh, that Mia has left for her, and she like kind of realizes that she's lost her daughters. I don't know if I I don't know if I love the relationship between um, Elena and Izzy in the show. I think. Elena is too much a villain in her relationship with Izzy in the show. It's a little bit more subtle in the book, I feel like. Well, in the book, they spend time going over how much she was actually just afraid of Izzy. Of how, like, she, she, Izzy was a premature baby. Izzy was always getting into trouble, really sick, and how she cared for her so much. Like, this is why I think that, um, you know, Elena's character was more about control than anything yeah, else because definitely. she just wanted to have control over Izzy to keep her safe, but she couldn't, which is where right. the conflict came from. I Whereas like in the better. show, I do the like show, that. She like resents Izzy and it's yeah. really heartbreaking. In the show, she's it's like a representation of um her losing her independence in her right. career and in her life. And her having to live this type of life that uh, she didn't want, which and so I mean, I don't, I don't have kids, but she already had three kids in three years. I feel like a fourth one. I don't know if, <laughs> if that that's what broke her. I mean, they they show Izzy being like a very difficult baby, so that I definitely understand. But it's very odd that she would single out Izzy. I feel like the show didn't justify her singling out Izzy as the reason why. Yeah, and the show kind of flirts with it being actually a consequence of their marriage, which I yes. think is makes sense. That makes a little <laughs> like bit it more. just makes sense and they do confront it at the end. Yeah. But I think you're right. Like her hatred toward Izzy makes kind of no sense. It's a little over the top. It's it's very heartbreaking. Uh, I will say Bill, the dad in the TV show, gets a lot more to do, and I loved it. Bill's – there's like a certain uh, thing he does in the TV show that I actually yeah. – I thought was hilarious when like Elena is acting crazy and then she yeah. says something to him and he just does this like dad sigh yeah. that is so <laughs> relatable because it's what you're feeling at the moment. Um, yeah. But I, thought- I think he was just given a little bit more to do. I I thought he was going to be given more to do. Like I said, like this, we had eight episodes to do a lot with, and I think they just didn't have enough for him to do. I liked that he had more to do, but I still don't feel like it didn't feel like a resolution at the end. Like he snaps at Izzy during part of the climax, and I thought there was going to be more, something more there. Um, but then he kind of disappears into the background, and I I know in like. In her in her book, Ing is much more concerned with how the mothers are interacting with their kids. Um, mm-hmm. All dad figures definitely fade into the background, and I think that's okay. Um, but I loved, you know, the chemistry between Reese Witherspoon and Joshua Jackson, and I thought Joshua Jackson did a great job as the dad. Fantastic, uh, yeah. I just wanted him to do more. Like there was a couple of times when he was doing something, and I'm like, oh, he's gonna figure something out or do something else and he didn't he just like smoked <laughs> looked sad yeah i think um I, I think that's actually more praise to give to how joshua jackson does that character because i think a lot of people would play the character more as someone who does fade into the background but i think he yeah. is so weirdly relatable in this character yeah. that i really kind of don't like on the surface right. but he plays in a well that you can sort of sympathize with him that you want more time with him yes, yeah absolutely. yeah gosh we're going a lot into some of the ending stuff is there anything else you want to mention Uh, No, but I do want to make one more point about like the overall story and why I think it's so interesting and timely, to be honest. And another reason why I think it should have been set in today is that all of these discussions are not about, you know, a family that are that's women of color versus Mm -hmm. a bunch of racists. Um, It is about the relationship between um, women of color and supposed allies and progressives, which is like something we are actively talking about today very often. Mm -hmm. Um, And 
yeah, I just think that's a, a really refreshing way to talk about race in America. And that's why I think that this really resonates with a lot of people when they read it. And watch I it. really loved that. Yeah, because especially in the book, they make a big deal to talk about how progressive Elena is, about yeah. how, you know, she supports women's right to choose, about how she enacts all these policies to make sure that there is better integration in these neighborhoods and blah, mm-hmm. blah, 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 blah. But when you get down to it, the relationship that she has with particularly like Mia is Mm -hmm. one where she still wants to have control over her. And she still sees her as someone subservient to her rather than an equal in a lot of um, like everyday interactions. And it is such a more timely way to talk about these types of issues Mm -hmm. um, than anything else. So I, yeah, I, I don't understand why this had to be set in the 90s to do those sort of things because i think it is still something like you said it's it's basically the conversation we're having right now exactly could have easily been put into Mm -hmm. today's setting and it would have worked perfectly yeah uh do you want to talk about nitpicks yeah let's get into like some fun talk um so i'm just gonna start i feel like this nitpick is mean and you shouldn't say it why because it's a real artist, David. They recruited okay, a real listen, artist. Okay, listen, listen. I think Mia's art is kind of dumb, okay? Um, Here's the particularly, problem. Particularly in the TV show. I guess yeah. in the, at the end of the book, too. Um, I think it's like... <laughs> so there's like a couple things that just like don't feel very subtle about her art sometimes. Like, for example, when she takes a picture of Elena and then cuts it into strips and then sets it on fire. Not exactly subtle there, bud. Um, Yeah. But there's a lot of things that don't quite make sense with her art. Like the fact that she makes a diorama of the town and then takes a picture of it. Yeah, that was Um, weird. And I didn't quite understand it. Like in the book, there's like much more uh, Mia makes like very personal uh, pieces of art for the uh, Richardsons to find and then find uh, like inner uh, like change from those pieces of art, which I thought was kind of funny. It it was (laughs) it felt very Disney Channel X to me is that they they look at a picture and then they realize I was racist the whole time. (laughs) But anyway, yeah. uh, or I was a bad mother the entire time because yeah. of a bird in a cage. Um, yeah. But I like didn't quite understand the art at all. It just it just never I clicked think, with me very well. I think the purpose of it was to show that Mia isn't creating something new necessarily. She's using things around her to recreate them and make them better. And so I think that's like a really important part of her character. The problem is like explaining art always is weird. And like, I think like even representing art in like in the visual way that they were doing feels really weird because she wasn't necessarily like a sculptor. She was a collageist which is, I think, a very different, like, unless you're doing, like, something really innovative with it, it's very easy for it to feel silly. (laughs) No, I totally get why you're nitpicky about it. I think especially for me, because as someone who does photography as a hobby, and I'm not, like, huge into film photography, but I do understand it. And in the book, I think that Ng tries to do, like, some photography street cred and you can kind of tell she's done some of her research because she's referencing all these different types of cameras Mia's bought and all these different like styles yeah she like shadowed photographers for a while to write the book yeah and I think you could you can really tell that um from the book but in the tv show especially like there is this part at the end in the credit scene where they show all these pictures Mia was yeah. taking throughout the entire story I and different yeah it was kind of lame like it just I'm gonna be honest it I was kind of lame 
I feel, it's a real artist, though, David, that they like coordinated with. Oh my like Carrie Washington worked very closely with a group of artists, and one of those artists came and did all the art for the show. And I don't know. I feel like that's a little too mean. I here's the thing. Okay, I'm not saying that someone <laughs> doesn't appreciate it. That someone appreciates it, and that's great. Good for them. I'm not one of those people, unfortunately, <laughs> because again, in the TV show especially, it's like what she's trying to say freaking slaps you in the face. Okay, yeah, and I mean that's. The TV show does that in general, where it just sort of slaps you in the face of what it's trying to say. Like, at the end, okay, this... Okay, I did start laughing at the end of this uh, TV show. Uh, I was watching it, and there's this very emotional moment where Carrie Washington is given the journal um, from her child, to from Pearl, to Mm -hmm. read, like, the journal entry... And it basically starts with, like, am I the bird or am I the cage? And, like, I just started laughing at t- after that. It was just, like, a little too much for me. I think bird and cage metaphors are a little bit overplayed. Yeah, and, yeah that And, like, help. then I started joking around with... <laughs> with Evie and then we're like am I the bird am I the cage am I little fires everywhere <laughs> and I just I just couldn't take it seriously and I Carrie know. Washington I wasn't... She, she does a great job she's a fantastic actress but she yeah. cries so much cries in this last episode she cries a lot in general throughout this whole series yeah, yeah um I liked I liked the scene okay. I stopped paying attention to kind of what she was saying. I thought it was sweet that like her poem gave her the courage to come and face her parents again. I thought that was very sweet. I did think it was weird that she was like sending her daughter who has never met her grandparents just like to their front door. She's like, Yeah, I'm gonna stay I'm gonna stay back here. I'll see you later. Bye. <laughs> yeah, and then like she gets out of the car and no one's there anymore so theoretically she walked in and she's already having a conversation with these people and explaining <laughs> yeah. who she is and they're just like hey where's your mom she's like ah she's reading my journal in the car right now actually <laughs> she can't come out artist stuff you know you know artists yeah you know how they are all right what nitpicks you do you have nitpicks? yeah, yeah um, all of mine were art nit- nitpicks and i'm sorry for all the artists i'm sure <laughs> you did great it's just like I like my stuff a little subtler than that, guys. I'm going to be honest with you. Yeah, that's fair. Um, my nitpick was, I feel like these none of these kids have friends. <laughs> Zero. No friends. <laughs> they, like, don't even seem like they're friends with each other. Like, they're just all angry the entire, <laughs> the entire time. Like, the book really felt like like a teen experience where like you find a family that you really love. They have the house everyone hangs out at and you go through these different experiences and you aren't very critical of them until maybe way after the fact. And all of that was like brushed aside for like really tense conversations all the time. There was like one background character that was a friend that was Moody's friend. And that is it. Nobody had any friends. (laughs) <laughs> seriously not everyone, even trip was like mr popular zero friends i don't understand i don't think any of these kids were that cool because yeah. they're supposed to be like the family you know right. and like they just didn't hang out with anybody they didn't, they didn't go do to high school things they yeah. like had homecoming i guess but that was just about it mm-hmm. yeah so i was very worried about their their social life they seem very isolated kids (laughs) yeah maybe that's why they're everyone is so much in this tv show is because they just hang out with each other and it's just a cycle of drama yep and they're really mean to each other i mean we have a lot like we have a big family and a lot of like us are very close to each other and i in age and i do feel like when you go off to high school it's a completely different experience where each of you are trying to figure out like where you slot into. So you don't necessarily hang out a lot with each other in high school. But at the same time, when you're at home, you still kind of hang out with each other, especially when you're really close in age. You know what I mean? So I just thought it was weird that, like, they did not at all. Yeah. Ever. I mean, that that goes a bit more into, like, how there is, like, poor representation of what living in a big family is like. <laughs> in general. Just, I mean, I think because we, we're from a big family, we can easily spot it. Where we're like, that just doesn't feel right. <laughs> and we can kind of just tell. Uh, 
Yeah. That was a long one. That'll wrap us up for today. Thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe so you get automatically updated when new episodes come out and where uh, from wherever you get your podcasts. We are at our episode 20 now, which is crazy. Yeah, it's it's crazy for us. We will actually be taking a break for a month or so after this mm-hmm. uh, as I am getting wet, uh, getting wedding, getting wedded, I'm getting I'm getting wedded. I'm getting married. So we're going to be taking a little bit of a break and then we're going to come back with, I guess, season two. Yeah, we will be back mid-August after David is finished being wedded. Um, but in the meantime, we do have 20 big boy episodes under our belt where we talk about a ton of different book to movie adaptations and one accidental movie to book adaptation early on because <laughs> we're new at this. <laughs> <laughs> but you can find all those. Um, you can also find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We are at Adapted Pod on all of those platforms. And if you send us suggestions to stuff at adaptedpod.com, we will add them to our season two roster when we come back in August. Oh, yeah. And special thanks to Catlo for our intro and outro music. You're going to be listening to Astoria Ditmars, which is chill. Super chill. chill. So f- find more cat loaf on Spotify. Uh, so that will wrap us up until August. We will see you guys in a couple of weeks uh, when we come back and talk about. I don't know if we have anything picked out for season two. Do you have anything picked out for season two yet? I'm trying to get Amanda to do Watchmen. Hopefully we got some Watchmen in there. So it'll either be Watchmen or Twilight. Either way, everybody wins. <laughs> Do they? Do they, though? (laughs) Tune in next time uh, after you enjoy a little summer break to see how we rate those wonderful adaptations. Until then, I guess light all your little fires everywhere, huh? Keep your birds in the cage. (laughs) Until then, are you the bird? Are you the cage? Are you the bird in the cage? Did you escape the page? Is this all a metaphor for motherhood? I don't know. Until then... Make cool revenge art teens. That's what the cool thing okay, is. Fine. <laughs> All right. See you guys. <laughs>Lots of crying inserted right here. (sighs) Tons of nonstop crying. Just Carrie Washington's tears. And sad 90s music. (laughs) I'm going to feel tonight. I mean, to be fair, that is what the original song sounds like, so it's not that far off. uh, I'm a regular Phil Collins right here. (laughs)